Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Haven Podcast. I am your host, Paris, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you have not checked out our other episodes, make sure you go back and listen to them. If you're not subscribed, make sure you go and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you are listening to this on. And make sure you're following us on social media. Our Instagram is just the Haven Podcast underscore. And my personal IG is at Paris Henriksen. Today's guest is a wonderful person. I am so excited to share this episode. I'm excited to dive into a really juicy conversation. This episode went a little longer than normal, and it also steered in a slightly different direction than normal. Um, but it was a conversation that we both felt was really needed, and we both felt was really powerful to share with the world. Today's guest is the beautiful Clarissa Tivo. You may know her from Hulu's Marvel Runaways, or you may have seen her in some other incredible shows. She talks all about her life as an actress, what that means to her, why she chose acting and what's next for her. She also talks about her journey as a producer and other adventures she's going on as a creator. And we really just get to talk about society, the environment and the world that we live in. And I don't know, you guys can be the judge of the conversation, but it was really an incredible incredible conversation so i'm gonna stop talking and lead you guys in to this episode with the one and only clarissa tebow hey everybody welcome back we have today's beautiful guest clarissa here with us thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me awesome well let's start by telling the audience who you are and sharing a little bit about yourself absolutely um Hello, everybody. My name is Clarissa Tebow. I am an actress and creator, writer, you know, whatever I can do. (laughs) I have had a lot of success in TV so far. So if you know me, you've probably seen me in Hulu's Marvel's Runaways, where I played a very fun alien named Zavin. And then coming out, I believe it's coming out later this year, but no promises. I I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm going to be in the second season of Hentified on Netflix, which was a very fun role to play. And I cannot wait for everyone to see it. And yeah, Google me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, cool. So sort of tell us a little bit about your journey and sort of how you got to even being in TV and sort of where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got really involved in the theater in high school and absolutely loved being able to embody different stories and step into other people's shoes. And then I majored in theater in college uh, decided to try out Los Angeles and had a few missteps like most people in the entertainment industry and was kind of making a little way for myself in like B movies, kind of like a la Sharknado. Yeah. <laughs> Very fun films. No, they're actually really fun to film, but they're like that kind of level. And I got an audition for Marvel's Runaways kind of out of nowhere. Never thought I was going to get it in a million years, but was very excited to to do the audition. And my goal was just to do well 
so that maybe the casting director would call me in for something else. And I did really well. And then it was super fast and I booked the role. And then I went from, you know, barely making it by to being on a Marvel set on the Paramount lot. And uh, that kind of catapulted things in my career into the place that they are now where um, I am very, very lucky. Now I am very lucky. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I think everybody has such a like an interesting story of how they kind of get to where they are. And I think that, you know, just hearing what you said then, it's kind of like, you know, we don't really know like what's going to happen. And it's just like that, that could be that one thing or it could be that one opportunity that in your case, you didn't think you were going to get. That just was kind of your kind of like aha moment, I guess, that just kind of catapulted you. Yeah, it was definitely, well, because I hadn't, at the time, I wasn't going in for projects like that very often. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes but it was like diamond like it was not common for me to go in for a project of that caliber and like that scope and even for me to be on the paramount lot to audition was like oh very exciting like it had happened maybe a handful of times so the thing with acting i think it like at a certain point it is kind of like a numbers game right like how many times can you get in front of someone until they like remember you and book you and you create that relationship and you're able to like create a community where like casting knows that they can trust that you will be able to get the job done and get it done well. Um, And this was kind of like throwing all of that out the window because I had never met the casting director. I had like never been in for any of the like never been in for these producers. Like I was no... Like, they didn't know me. And it yes. was kind of like all the stars aligned. Like, everything just kind of came together. And I booked it. And it was on the week of my birthday, too. Like it was the week I was turning 28. So it was like, literally, I found out I booked it. Um, oh, gosh, what day was it? I can't remember now. But, like, the week I found out I booked it was the same week of my birthday. And I was like, oh, this is a great birthday present. Wow. Yeah, what a beautiful birthday present. That's that's the universe working there. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's, that's perfect. I mean, wow. That's it's so yeah. It's so synchronistic how those things work. It's awesome. What are you? What are you most grateful for right now? Um, I I mean I feel like I'm. I feel I've been really um, intentional about gratitude in the last few years of my life and just like recognizing all the beautiful things that have come into my life and how lucky I am in so many ways. Like I'm in a relationship that's very healthy and very um, supportive. And I have a beautiful dog that I love dearly, who's a rescue. And I, my partner and I were able to move to New York city and find this amazing apartment and it's in our price range. And there's just been so many things that have aligned that like, like yes, I'm I'm very grateful for my career, but even outside of my career, it's like I'm grateful for the happiness that I have in my life right now and that I get to foster friendships mm-hmm. and I get to still explore my creative side in any way that I want to and yeah, like so many things that I'm grateful for. I I feel like even having gratitude for the things that go wrong is always kind of what what I try to do, maybe not yeah. initially, but eventually once you know 
the anger settles or whatever, <laughs> everything, like, I just feel like everything is kind of like a lesson or like um, something that I was supposed to learn somehow. And so I try my best to be grateful even for the, the problems in my life because I'm like, okay, well, this is an issue, but I can still gain something positive from this negative thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that. I feel like everything, everything's a learning experience. Yeah. And everything's going to be, you know, it's the way that you, I often say to people, it's the way that you respond to a situation um, in how that, in how it affects you. Like if you yeah. respond crazy out of this world wild, um, then, you know, it's going to affect you much more than if you just kind of look at it, like you said, and kind of go, you know what, it may not have been the best thing, but I'm still grateful for it happening for, you know, X, Y, and Z reasons. So I think that well, and don't get me wrong. I do respond badly sometimes. Like <laughs> I am still a work in progress. And there are definitely times where I am not on that high road. I am very, very low. And then I remind myself, take a step back and think about like the larger picture. And then that usually helps me like, right, right, right. Be better. <laughs> be better because you'll feel better about it anyway. Right. I think it's just important to have the awareness of, you know, yeah. when you, like you just said, like you have the awareness of, to even step back and go, actually, hang on a minute. Like that's not serving me. So how can I look at it in a different way? So I think that that's, that's powerful in itself. That's, that's awesome. Um, so you, you know, you are more than, you know, more than just an actress. Um, you're a creator, you're, you said you're a writer as well. So what are some of the other things that are brewing for you or what are some of the other things that you're looking to do sort of beyond acting as well? Yeah. I mean, I, um, right before the pandemic happened, I had just finished, um, shooting a short film that I wrote with one of my best friends and we had been writing it forever and working on it forever. And it's called RXR. Um, and we, uh, were like, had producer hats on for that and writing hats on for that. And like, to an extent, like a little bit of like trying to see it from the director's perspective as well. Um, mm -hmm. and it was a really rewarding experience. It's funny though, because like, though I, I have immense amounts of appreciation for producers of any way, shape, form, anything that like producers in general, because I like kind of hate it. <laughs> like I... Yeah. <laughs> every time every time I end up having to put on like a true producer hat I'm like oh my god this is so much there's so much writing on what can happen right now and it just further like so appreciative for producers um and I'm trying to learn to love the producerial process because I have found as I've been able to um gain more success and gain more um, connections within the industry, you end up becoming a producer of everything you're involved in, in some way, even if it's like a small way. Right. So even like, for example, yeah. this week, even um, I have a friend who wrote his first feature screenplay and he's, he's done shorts and stuff and he's, he's um, really, really talented so he had this script and he was like, I'm only at, he's at the process now where he's like, I'm just looking for a producer to like tag team this with him because he wants to also direct it. So he'd be a first time like director with a decent budget. And then he also wrote the film. So he wants a producer to, you know, help facilitate the whole process. Yeah. And 
I was like, oh, I know people. Let me reach out to this person. Let me set up a meeting with this person. And I like set up a meeting with another friend of mine who she has a production company that's like essentially specializes in thrillers that are at his film is at um, like the million dollar budget. So like an indie indie film budget, um, yeah. which is crazy to think a million dollars is an indie film, but it is. Movies cost so much money. Um, so like set him up with her and then literally like the same day I got a text from another friend who is directing and producing her own short film and was asking me for help with um, reaching out to actors that I know. So then I was reaching out to actors on her behalf and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being a producer right now. Um, And that I find fun when I'm not like entrenched in it. Like just the being able to like connect people and like facilitate art. I'm like, oh, this is great. Um, So I'm learning to learning to love it a little bit more. But I definitely am resistant towards producing. I don't even remember what the question was. I went on a tangent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. The question was basically like, you know, what are you exploring other than acting? Um, oh, yeah. So everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I feel the same way with producing. Like I sort of, I fell into producing. Like that was never mm. my main thing. And it became my main thing. And I'm kind of like, I took a step back yesterday and I was like, I actually don't like this at all. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not fun <laughs> for me anymore. I was like, this is kind of, an, like, it kind of, like, is annoying to me in a sense of, like, just because, I think it's just because I'm working on so many projects. But yeah, I think because it's, like, outweighing my, my, my one thing or what my thing was because my thing is, like, a director-writer. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I feel like produ- producing is difficult. It's not simple. And for anyone out there that has no idea, you know, that isn't in the industry. It's, you know, it's definitely a, definitely a hard task um, and can be, you know, very overwhelming and very challenging. Um, but it can also be very rewarding. Yeah. I time. think, I think a producer, a good producer or a bad producer can make or break a project pretty easily. Um, and I think that also comes in with like how much anybody else involved is taking on a producerial role, even if they're not technically the producer, like the production of something can make or break it. Yeah, (laughs) I guess that's kind of straightforward, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's totally true. Um, So what is a typical, what does a typical day look like for you? Like what is your morning routine? Do you have any rituals that you do? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, because I do have my boyfriend and we are, partners in this in this crazy thing called life um and I have a dog so usually my morning my morning it has become ritualistic but out of necessity like I don't know if I have a ton of rituals that I haven't intentionally that I have intentionally like placed in my life but it's always getting up hitting snooze getting up again (laughs) going to the bathroom walking the dog making coffee. Um, and I recently bought my boyfriend a uh, turntable to play like records and stuff because we had to get rid of our old one. Mm-hmm. So now it's been involving a lot of like jazz in the morning and we'll play like jazz music while we're cooking breakfast. And we always have like a very big, big intentional breakfast. Um, mainly because we both take medication in the morning and we can't take it without food in our system. So 
we have a big breakfast, big intentional breakfast. Dog gets walked, dog gets fed. We all get fed. Um, and then we kind of like go off to our respective areas of the apartment and start working on whatever we need to work on um, for the rest of the day. So the morning is definitely like the setup for everything. Like it's the only time of the day where we have any kind of like schedule. Mm, I like Otherwise that. I like it is, that. I think it's- yeah, it tends to be a little bit more chaotic throughout the day. Like both of us yeah. are kind of freelancey. So yeah. I never know what he's doing most of the time. Like I'm always asking him, what are, what are you doing today? Like how much, how much stuff, where are you going? Are you going somewhere today? And same thing with him. He's like, are you going somewhere? Are you doing something? So the morning is the only time yeah. we have to be like, oh, okay, we know that we both have time until, you know, 10 a.m. every day to have breakfast and like do our morning thing. And then we go and do whatever else we have to do for the rest of the day. Nice, nice. I think that's that's so nice to have like a nice little morning routine. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you believe the key ingredient is to living a meaningful life? I think um, kind of like- what we were saying earlier, like gratitude. Like I think gratitude mm-hmm. is a huge thing. And I know it's hard because that sounds like so like it can sound so woo-woo. Like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm grateful. But like – I think it is just like changing your perspective because not to say that your like your life will change necessarily, but I think changing your perspective on things will make even the harder things a lot easier to to deal with or to to swim through. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you know, they always say treat people how you want to be treated, but like just not taking for granted how much your actions can affect someone. And I mean, like, especially positive actions. I found that more as we've been in New York and probably because we are in a more like um, face-to-face relationship with our neighbors and with our community, right? We're walking past one another every day. I see the same people, including the same people who are asking for money on the side of the road and the people who are struggling and um, even just acknowledging people, acknowledging that people exist, that you see them, can do wonders for someone's day. So I feel like that is a very meaningful existence is if you can help people to not feel so alone in the world. I love that. I love that. And that sort of links to... I guess my next question was how important is impact um, and, you know, supporting communities and you sort of just kind of touched on that. Um, but is there anything else that you would like to add? Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard, right? Cause I'm in this, in this industry that's uh, kind of about being seen, being seen and being heard um, and telling stories. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as far as impact goes, Like, I do think that what I do and what, like, media does in general is some of the most impactful things you can do to change society, to change mentalities, to to, um, bring um, ideas into someone's home in a a digestible way, um, which I think can affect change. 
but I think like being impactful, I think a lot of times that seems like it's a really big thing. Like it has to be this grand gesture. Like you have to walk a tightrope across two skyscrapers to make your mark on the world. But I think it's something much smaller. I think it's so much smaller. I think it's about being a good neighbor. I think it's about being a good, like being, Mm. thinking about your community and trying to make the world better than, than leaving it better than how you found it. I love that. I love that. And I often say to people like a smile can change the world yeah. because somebody could be having the worst day and you walk past them and smile at them. And then their day, you know, is forever changed just by that one smile or that one interaction. And I feel like, you know, I had this conversation with a lot of people and I feel like, again, like you said, like this grand gesture with the tight ropes and skyscrapers yeah. and so many people feel like in order to give back and create impact, it has to be of monetary value. Um, right. And I often say to people like, no, it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. It can be a simple smile or a simple phone call or a text message. Or, you know, if you do have a spare dollar in your pocket and you pass someone on the street who's less fortunate than you, that you give them that dollar. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to, you don't have to give them, you know, $20 or $100 or, you know, a million dollars. Um, and I think that that's really powerful for a lot of people to remember because people often go, okay, well, we're not going to do anything or we're going to stay small because, you know, we don't have the money or we don't have this or we don't have that. Um, when really all you need to do is a simple gesture um, in order to make a difference. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah. I think it's a little harder in Los Angeles or at least I found it harder to like um, not feel as isolated. Like here, it's funny, like being here, I feel so not isolated. Like I feel very, um, I just feel surrounded by ideas and people. And um, I was outside of like a Whole Foods, just, I don't know what I was doing. I was just standing there. I don't know. I don't know if I was waiting for something um, and there was this guy who was asking for, you know, money for people who are coming out of the Whole Foods or going in. And it was like 90% of people just completely ignored him, like pretended like they didn't hear him, didn't see him. And I was like, oh, that's, I mean, I just, I was like, oh, you're, you're a human. You're yeah. right there. Like, I see you. I hear you. Like, you're not invisible, but you would think he was. And I was like, oh, like that feeling must be be so dehumanizing to not to be speaking to someone to be talking to someone and to be completely ignored as if you don't even exist like you're not important and you're not part of society and like that was one of the first days I was here and I was like oh shit like how how often have I done that without even really thinking about it how often have I just like kind of succumbed to what is the societal norm and how um how hurtful was that towards someone who just wanted someone to acknowledge them? Even just saying like, no, I don't have anything. Sorry. It's at least saying, I see you human and I acknowledge your presence and I acknowledge what you're asking for, even if you don't have anything to give them. Um, So now I don't ignore anybody. I like intentionally stare people down and I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Or like, here's a dollar. I see you. You are alive. And um, even just that, like yeah. the amount of yeah. smiles I've gotten from 
people on the street who are ignored has been kind of, I mean, it's been a little heartbreaking because I'm like, God, when was the last time you spoke to somebody? Mm. Yeah. But anyway. I feel like that's such a thing here in Los Angeles. Um, I mean, you would know with the, the way the pandemic kind of created this whole extra lot of homeless situation here in Los Angeles. And, you know, I live in Venice Beach and very close to it. And just walking along the Venice boardwalk, you know, sometimes daily or or every second day or so. And the amount of people that, yeah, just walk past with blinders on and they don't even acknowledge like the people that are around them with the tents and everything like that. Um, You know, and I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, but it's a city problem. And I'm like, yes, it is a city problem. And there's a reason why, you know, yeah, the city hasn't really come together to create change, but it doesn't mean that you can't say hello to somebody or that you yeah. can't acknowledge someone just because it's a quote-unquote city problem. <laughs> like, right, right. but I think it's also like it is something that I think socially we have been taught in one way or another that it's better to ignore. Yes. I think that's wrong. Um yeah. But I think a lot of people don't even, like, I didn't realize that I was necessarily doing that all the time. And I think sometimes I thought it was for my own safety. But the reality is, like, I have never had someone who's on the street do anything that was even remotely threatening towards me. And even, like, even recently when we were moving from L.A. to New York, we moved a bunch of stuff out. And there was this guy who, like, we had, um, like, glasses you know like drinking glasses that we had put out hoping someone would just take them home and he picked up a glass and he just like smashed it on the ground and was like Mm -hmm. destroying everything and I was like oh hell no (laughs) so I went out there and I was just like dude can you stop and he was like you don't know what's going on in my life and I was like well then tell me let's talk yeah and it like totally diffused whatever was going on. And then he kind of told me what had been going on in his life. And I was like, when was the last time you talked to somebody? You know, like when was the last time you had anybody treat you like a freaking human? And I think it had been a long time that someone had acknowledged his presence and not like run away from him. Yeah. And that's sometimes all they, sometimes all they need is a conversation. Sometimes they're not even asking for money or, you know, they're not even asking for like, a material object that you can give them. Sometimes they literally just want a heart to heart conversation to get it off their chest. And, you know, cause they don't have an opportunity to talk to many people. And my goodness, if I was on the street, if I found myself in a position of experiencing homelessness or what have you, or mental illness or whatever, um, I would be the same. I would be smashing glass. I'd be pissed. Yeah. And I would want people to talk yeah. to me and see me. Yeah. And I would get really upset if they didn't, yeah. that I would, if I was shunned from society. So yeah, yeah I don't think those actions are mm-hmm. without, um, like, that's, I, I feel like that would be a human thing to do. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And I think a lot of people just don't, you know, they don't see, they don't see both sides or they don't think about like, what if I was in that situation or what if yeah. I had to experience that? Um, you know, so I think that, yeah, if everybody was just a little kinder, the world would yeah. be a much nicer place. 
we just took care of each other a little bit more and knew that like going out of your way isn't really going out of your way. It's actually just being a good neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. I was like having this conversation with a friend the other day and talking about like ancient civilizations that would literally help each other with anything. Mm -hmm. Like they would, you know, they would, whatever it was that they were doing, they would help each other with everything. And there was no such thing as, I mean, there might've been a few homeless people, but it wasn't, you know, like it is in 2020. And I kind of, I think back and I go, we have all these resources we're supposed to be able to fly to the moon. We're supposed to be able to do all these amazing things. But yet we still have half of Los Angeles living on the street, like, yeah. or a quarter of Los Angeles or however much it is living on the street. Like, it's just, to me, it's insanity. Um, it is. And it's just, you know, hopefully things change. Um, but it's just, it's, yeah, kind of, it's kind of wild. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um... I used to say this to my friends because I I was like thinking about what it means to be a first world country, right? Like what does it actually mean to be a first world, mm. world country? And I was like, there are so many things in America that are so not first world that we have so many people who are unable to get housing or healthcare or people that can't get mental health services I, I just, that we had places that don't have clean water, that don't have potable water. Like there were just so many things where I'm like, this is not like this. If we're classifying ourselves as first world country, then we need to fix these problems. Otherwise we're not, otherwise we're not like, like we're just not. And that's, I mean, that's fine, I guess. But like, we can't say that we are, if we're not going to actually do the things that, that make a country, a first world country. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is a whole, whole conversation that I could be lost in forever. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's funny. Yeah, I totally, I, I get that point and I see it because even a country like Indonesia, where they're considered third world, um, but they definitely have the polars of, first world and third world you know they have the most luxurious some Balinese or some natives yeah. that live there have the most luxurious homes that you can live of and yeah. then there's the other scale of some that don't and I kind of I look at that and then I look at this country or even Australia it's the same thing and I'm kind of like we're all really not like it's just a attachment or just a word because it's not true yeah like, it's not a it's not because you think about it country and it, if we're yeah yeah and it's like like it's always a first world country for the rich every country is a first world country for the rich yeah if you have enough money no matter where you go whatever you know country that you think is like the worst one whatever that means if you have money it will be a first world country for you so yeah but like it, it matters more not about that but about what is the everyday citizen having to do? What is are the people who find themselves below the poverty line? What what are the like standards that we are setting and the standards that we um, aspire to? And if they're super low, it's like okay, well then it doesn't really matter. Like then that the first first 
the top, the the rich people, the one percenters, whatever, have a first world luxuries. It doesn't matter because yeah. they get that everywhere. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything yeah. until the people who are on the lower rung get basic rights and basic, you know, humanity, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I often think, um, you know, if you put some of those people that are making these decisions in those situations, I feel like they'd want to change it pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Because they wouldn't want to be in that position. They wouldn't want to be I, in that situation. I, you know, I think that, like, like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like all of our politicians should live on, like, Medicare. <laughs> they should have to do, like, the public health care system because, well, one, they're, you know, we elect them. So technically, and we pay them with our tax dollars. So if they were dealing with the problems that the lowest um, earners of society have to deal with, they would fix those problems. Because they would have to also deal with them, but they don't yeah. do that. I don't know. I just think there are a lot of ways where, like, um, the blinders could be taken off, and we choose to keep them on because it's more comfortable to keep them on than to take exactly. them off. Um, there, I also there was an article yeah. that um, I- we were talking about my my partner and I the other day, and they were saying, like, the article was saying that it is more likely that like um, early civilization, like tribal societies and stuff had lower murder rates than we do in civilized society because people had to work together to survive. So like if there was a nomadic tribe, it came across a nomadic tribe. Yes, sometimes there would be war, but more often than not, they would survive uh, much more easily if they combined resources, taught each other trade, some people stayed, you know, marriages, whatever, and then they would go their separate ways. But they would like to be able to combine ideas and and um, uh, trade knowledge was more important than there was nothing to fight over. Like you know, like people didn't have land to to fight and protect. They were moving around, so it was more likely that there were less. Um, murders and deaths happening by by another human hand mm-hmm. of course there were deaths you know people died of whatever diseases snake bites i don't i don't know but like that like homicides weren't <laughs> yeah. happening as as often um which i found kind of interesting i was like oh yeah maybe this isn't the civilized yeah. society that we make it out to be yeah no it's not and that's like one thing that, you know, I feel incredibly blessed to be from Australia and to be from a country that doesn't have as much violence as it does here. Um, mm-hmm. And for me as an outsider looking in, you know, that was most people that live here don't even think about that type of stuff on a second, you know, a second basis. But for me coming to this country, it was like, wow, like I'm coming to a country that's supposed to be the pinnacle of countries, right? Yeah. Um, in the world, but look at the situations that are happening and then look at little old Australia <laughs> that's like down by the bay um, that is not having half of these issues, you know? It's like, yeah. it's kind of wild to, to think about that. And, you know, it kind of, it irks me even as a human that I even had to think about that. 
that like I had to think about like oh my goodness like what's this happening at this country and what's happening here but yeah I mean civilization now is just not as whatever you call it friendly or kind they're just not the way that they used to be like it's just yeah and I think and I think the biggest thing is materialism yeah yeah I think there's a lot of um I think also in this country specifically, I think it's kind of by design in a weird way. Like we've created scarcity. So people are so desperate. And if people are in that desperation mode, that scarcity mode, um, we as humans will do whatever it takes to survive. So that could mean a lot of horrific acts may happen. Even though, like you said, we have the resources, we have the capital, like this is not a poor country. However, we don't choose to spend it to correct that kind of um, the scarcity that does exist here. So it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, well, this is happening, but is it by design? Because it could be fixed, but we choose to continue not to fix it. So I, you know, I'm hoping that things will change as well, but it's one of those things where I look at it. I'm like, this should have already changed. Like if anybody was, I guess they want, don't want it to. So that, you know, proverbial they, whoever it is, don't want it to, because I'm guessing it's more lucrative, but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of problems in the world. I'm not going to solve them, but I can analyze them and do my part in little ways that I can. And uh, until I until I yeah. make it further yeah, in my I industry and I can start shouting on Instagram. <laughs> right. And I think that's one thing. It's like, you know, even with, I think, society these days and with social media, everybody expects people of a certain status to make a comment or mm-hmm. make a donation or do this or do that. And it's like, well, why should it be left to them when really it starts at the top of the chain? Like it should be a political thing that fixes yeah. it. It shouldn't have to be, you know, Julia Roberts or Leonardo DiCaprio that, uh, you know, fixing these problems. It's great and it's awesome because they have the money and resources to start and, you know, take a stride. But it should be starting at the top of the political scale. And like yeah. they should be the ones changing it, which they're not. Well, it's kind of this, yeah. this, um, <laughs> it is this, uh, uh, what's it called? Like lie, I guess a lie that there are, that we need to rely on benevolent dictate or benevolent billionaires, sorry, not benevolent dictators, um, like benevolent billionaires to take pity on a problem and on their own fund a solution when in reality it's like no 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 like like (laughs) we shouldn't we shouldn't have to rely on someone to make the choice to be philanthropic like it should be something that we all collectively go okay this is a problem we are going to allocate resources towards this problem and it's for the betterment of humanity yeah. and society as a whole. But it's become this thing now where it's like, mm-hmm. if a benevolent billionaire comes in, then they get all the glory for something they should have never been involved in in the first place. It should have already been dealt with by the American people, yeah. and by 
the politicians who we've elected to, to solve these problems. But yeah, um, I could go into right, so much right. more. It's, it's just, it's, it's very uh, <laughs> troubling. It's troubling what, what, what is going on. And the more you look into it, the, the dirtier it gets. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just, well, it's kind of like, you know, I often say to people that you can go really, really deep down the rabbit hole and find out, you know, all this information, but it's not really going to change the problem. So yeah. it's like you can kind of you know, go down a rabbit hole, but until, like I said, the people at the, the top tier or the people that are, shall I say, <laughs> stringing the puppets or whatever you want to say, yeah. until those people um, make the conscious decision and not the fear decision um, mm. to, to change things. I mean, you know, I've been... I think about it in a sense of like I've been sponsoring kids in Africa since I was 15 years old. You know, their villages have not changed in nearly 17 years. Like it's like, you know, we have the resources, but, you know, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't necessarily like mean that everything's going to change, you know, and, and there's only certain people like, you know, certain people, like you look at Prince Harry and all the work that he's done in a country, like, you know, wherever he's done the work, it's like, he's just one person. He can't, you know, everybody has to come together as a collective in order yeah. to to make the change. You can't, like you said, you can't rely on one billionaire who woke up one day and decided to be philanthropic and yeah. decided to start an organization. You know, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't all fall on them. It and also be, it's like, we have to wait till they wake up and feel the desire to help. Like, what if they don't? Yeah. I think there are a lot higher likelihood, and they've, they've done studies of this, that some of the highest earners are the most, like, they're, like, like psychopaths in the sense that, like, they don't have the ability yeah. to empathize as well. So it's like, okay, it because, I mean, yeah. if you make that much money – I feel like there's not a way to make that much money completely ethically at a certain point, like past a certain point. It's not, it's just not possible. So if you're relying on those people who made that money unethically in the first place to wake up and decide to be a good philanthropic human, uh, that's wishing for pigs to fly most of the time. Like, yes, it happens, but- It's like, are, is it happening because of a tax credit? You know, like, what is their actual motivation? Because sometimes I doubt if you've made this money unethically, is it actually because you want to help the world? Or is it because you're realizing that you, you know, need to spin your PR right now so you can keep making money? I don't know. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I say to a lot of people about, like, the work that Prince Harry's done and to not take any discredit from him because I think he's absolutely incredible. But... Mm. Even, you know, he had the money from a monarch. Like, yeah. he, if he was an everyday person with, you know, not, not a billionaire that decided to wake up, he wouldn't have been able to do half the stuff that he's done or he wouldn't have had the, the backing or the name or anything like that. So it's like, do we have to wait for people like him who is philanthropic from the get-go and has a monarch behind them? <laughs> or, like you said, right. a billionaire that decides to wake up and go, oh, actually, you know what? Today I decide to be philanthropic, um, but tomorrow they may not give a shit. (laughs) Tomorrow they might be like, oh, you know what? That was too hard or that was too difficult or they might stay and continue doing that. And I think that, you know, we 
one thing I always say to people is, you know, again, like not to take away from Richard Branson, but we're so focused on trying to fly to it wherever he flew to last week. Mm -hmm. But like, look at the problems in the world. Like, let's focus on those problems before we, you know, worry about creating the next iPhone or worry about creating the next rocket ship or a Concorde style plane. Like, it's like, let's, you know, and I think that people just, it's the, it's the materialistic thing of like, people are just so like, people are so materialistic that they just want the next thing or the next fad or the next this or that, because let's face it, most of us have grown up in a society where that has been easily accessible. You know, like I talk to my grandparents and they're like, I didn't even care about an iPhone. And it's like, they're the kind of people that, you know, should have been given the opportunities to continue changing the world, you know, should have been the next millionaires because they don't care about these things. And I think it's just, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. I think it's, it's very, um, there's no way to simplify it. There, it's very complex and, and, and country to country, there are different complexities and, I don't know. I mean, I would just hope that most people are trying their best to continue to learn and continue to to enact change in the ways that they can um, yeah. until we actually have some kind of legislative change. Because yeah. other than that, I, I don't see how this is sustainable. Not truly. No. And it's, yeah, and it's a matter of like basic human rights. Yeah. Like it's not that hard. <laughs> no. In in you theory, know? right? It's like this is pretty well, simple. Like yeah. but I think there's yeah. just I think there I think also in the entertainment world, right? I think it, it attracts a lot of empaths. So for me yeah. personally, I'm like, how could you not want to help the world? And I think there are a lot of people who really just want money or really just want whatever they want. And they can't even fathom the idea of um, like, quote unquote, a handout, whatever that means, but like lifting up their community. They can't really fathom that in that way. So um, I also think it's also like a difference of uh, a difference of brain chemistry a lot of the time. And what I hope, too, is that like through the arts, right, I feel like through the arts has always been the way to reach people and to change minds and to get people who maybe necessarily wouldn't be thinking about these things to to recognize their part or their ability to to do something or to change something or to say something you know like to just even if it's small um or big or big who knows you know like someone could watch a movie and be like wait a minute i can stand up to xyz and change this school culture right like maybe there's like some crazy thing happening at your school and you want to change it you can stand up and do something and change your universe um and keep extending that outward so i always hope that when we're creating art whether it's through tv or film or or through a painting or Mm -hmm. through music or through the plethora of things that can be deemed artistic that someone is taking away a sense of um 
being inspired and 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 wanting to also add to that collective collective i don't know want for something else want for change and good change and positive change for the masses yeah no i agree totally and i think it's also a lot on how people are raised or the experiences that people have had because so many people be it billionaire or not or you know just having a luxurious life like for me personally I had a very great upbringing. I was very blessed, but I was also very blessed to be able to travel to countries like Indonesia and like, you know, Malaysia, Thailand, other areas and realize that not everybody lived the way that I did or not every child got the same opportunities that I did. And for me, that really shaped who I am today because it was like from, you know, from the age of three when I first remember going overseas, um, it was, you know, it was an experience where I was like, oh my goodness, like there's kids like me who are yeah, either living on the side of the road or yeah. they just don't have the, you know, even the same school opportunities. Um, right. So I think it's really also about, yeah, like how, what environment you're raised in or what your, you know, what your parents teach you or your guardians or whoever raised you. Um and, and kind of what you consume as well, because I think that even like, even just recently, what I've noticed is that, again, some TV shows, some movies will create epic change and they will talk about issues and they will talk about situations in the world that are happening. Like, I fully respect and commend all of the writers on All American for yeah. the way that they're writing that show, because things that they talk about in that show, you know, I've not seen any... I haven't really seen of recent times anybody target those kinds of um, conversations at all in television or film. And I think that, you know, what they're doing is amazing. So I think that, yeah, if more, if inspiration came more from film and television, I think that, you know, because so everybody consumes it so much um, that maybe it might, it might change the way that certain people think. Um, you know, I know it's had an impact on, younger children that I know, um, not just that show, but many shows, um, just by the way that certain things happen. So I think it's, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. And giving people that kind of exposure, even if they don't have the resources or the ability to travel outside of their small community. Um, Cause I think that is a lot of people too, is it's like, they don't get to, to experience anything more than, than their area. And that's what I mean by like film and TV being able to kind of penetrate that and be like, here is some, a version of exposure to at least like get people to start thinking outside of all that they know, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, even, I think it's great even with like YouTube and social media to an extent um, that, some of these, yeah, you, you, you see, like with these travel bloggers, these travel influencers, whatever, like you can see what, when they're traveling around, say Indonesia, for example. I feel like I use that so often, but Indonesia is like my favorite place on the entire planet. So <laughs> that's why I'm kind of like always go back to it. But it's a great example because you can see the way that the country is or the way that society is living just through, you know, an influencer's YouTube blog. Or, you know, yes, you can see the glamorous side of it, of course, but you can also see the other side. Um, so I think it's really great yeah. for people that can't get out and travel or don't have the, the means to sort of go outside their communities. Um, 
that those kinds of things can be really powerful too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Wow. That was like a tangent for like 25 <laughs> minutes. I, love it. I know. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> so cool. So with that being said, do you have a, a favorite place that you like to travel to or a favorite place that just makes you feel really comfortable and really at home? Um, I always go to France. <laughs> I love France. Mm. Like I, well, specifically, yeah. I, I love Lyon, um, which is kind of funny because it's like, doesn't tend to be the place. When I talk to my French friends about it, they're like, oh, Lyon, okay. <laughs> like, that's interesting. But I really love that city. And, um, yeah, I'd love to spend more time there. But um, besides that, I mean, I don't know. Also, the Oregon coast. <laughs> I love the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty. I can kind of find yeah. something that I enjoy in every place except for, and sorry to anybody, Mm. but like, I hate Miami, but like, other than that, (laughs) (laughs) other than Miami, every other place is fine. (laughs) Miami and Cleveland. I don't like (laughs) Cleveland either. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Ohio in general. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, we drove through it and it was just like, I'd been there once before for a wedding and it was really nice. And then the last time we, we drove through Cleveland, it was like the absolute worst thing in the world. And then it just soured. I just, maybe I'll, I'll give Cleveland another chance one day, but I'm going to have to wait a couple years because it definitely was like a bad time. Wow. Yeah, I think, I don't, yeah, I feel like the pandemic has really shook up a lot of places. And they're a lot different yeah. to the way that they used to be. Yeah, it's I'm looking forward bad. to once, like, I mean, things are getting safer now, but I know the Delta variant is kind of like surging back up and things are closing down again. But I'm hoping mm-hmm. that, you know, soon, whatever soon means, um, we all can like truly travel and like, go places I'm very I'm looking forward to like traveling abroad again and getting out of America for a little while yeah no that'd be nice it'd be so nice um do you have a favorite film or a favorite tv show that inspired you to become an actress oh that's a good question I oh you know what I think actually did kind of like inspire me and I don't even know if I realized it did at the time, but I was thinking about this actually uh, like yesterday or the day before yesterday, but there was the Rogers and Hammerstein um, TV movie of Cinderella with Brandy as Cinderella and Whitney Houston was very godmother. And I remember I mm. loved that movie. My mom recorded it. We bought it. Like I had like three copies of that movie. I'd watch it like, the prince was Filipino. Whoopi Goldberg was. It was, it was just like Jason Alexander was in it. It was like all these amazing people were in this movie, and it was like one of the first times I had ever seen a black princess where no one like questioned it. Like it wasn't even a thing, and she had braids, and yeah. I was just like, oh my god, like this is so cool, and. I could do that. Like, I, like I didn't realize that I was even allowed to do that. Like, I didn't know that was for me. 
So I think that movie, right. funny enough, and I don't do musical theater. Like, I don't even sing. But, like, that movie specifically is, like, one that ha- definitely impacted me as a kid uh, about the the world of, like, entertainment and being able to perform in some way um, and getting to, like, play those roles and do those things I thought would be just, like, a dream come true. Um I'm trying to think if there was like any other also West Side Story all these musicals it's kind of funny let's think all these musicals inspired me I don't do musicals at all but uh I remember the first time I watched West Side Story it was on um DVD and I had no idea what the story was I never heard of it I didn't know I didn't grow up in a family really that uh was in the entertainment industry at all so I watched West Side Story and I didn't know, spoilers, I didn't know that Tony was going to die and then he died and then I was crying and I was so upset and I was like, why, why did Tony have to die? And it became like one of my favorite films because I was like, I've never been moved so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of strange. like a lot of musicals inspired me to not get into musicals. <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. wow. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. West Side Story is amazing. Yeah. Such a great, such a great project. Such a great. It's very fun. Very fun music in that show. Mm. Yeah, it's powerful. It's powerful. Do you believe in the term leaving a legacy? I don't know. I mean, sort of. I guess. I don't know. I feel like the expectation that people will remember you forever is just like kind of dumb. Like no. Like there's just so many people. I like leaving a legacy. I guess that I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I hope that like one day when I adopt a child and I teach that child something useful for their life, that they are able to apply that to life and find utility in it and then think of me fondly and pass it on to their kid if they have one. And that will be my legacy mm-hmm. is whatever I taught. Um, like the thought mm-hmm. of maybe becoming like an icon, like Marilyn Monroe or something sounds awful a little bit. Like a, like a demigod or something. Lot, I'm I mean, like, like, I mean, Marilyn Monroe, right? Like she's great. She's awesome. Whatever. But also she's become like not a person anymore. Like, yeah. She's yeah. not a person yeah. anymore. And I'd almost rather be forgotten. <laughs> I'd almost rather yeah, just have my time while I was here. Also, once I'm dead, I'm not gonna care. So whatever. I yeah, I feel you. It's I feel like it's such a um heavy like word or a question, but it's more so just to like I mean, I feel you. I think that, you know, being a being an icon or being a whatever it carries so much weight it's a lot of pressure and it's uh, a lot to live up to you know I even hear even some of the social media people like I don't know the Kardashians love them or hate them but you know they have a certain standard that they have to I guess live up to because they have you know the whole world watching and that's the same for a lot of people whether it be you know Leonardo DiCaprio not to go back to him but or you know (laughs) um and I feel like the same thing has sort of happened with, and so this is the thing also that happens with that. It's like you can, people, 
people won't always remember you for the things that happened when you were here. Sometimes people will remember you for what happened after you were gone in a sense of like, you know, I think a lot about the Michael Jackson situation and the way that his image has been changed and he's not here to defend himself. He's not here to say anything. You know, it, 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 the pressure falls on his family and his children to have to, to have to navigate that and to have to sort of constantly hear the negative things about their father true or not like it's it's a lot of weight to carry so i think that you know it's kind of yeah it's a big thing and I, but i love i love your answer and i think that yeah whatever you can you know teach someone that they can then carry on is is really powerful yeah because i think like more than nature you know they say nature versus nurture i think nurture is yeah. so much more not yeah i think it's more important i feel like passing along ideas and and um like teaching children to be i don't know courteous and conscious that they are part of something more than themselves is really important and if i can pass along like i don't know whatever that is being a decent person i hope i'm a decent person you know like i don't know i think i am but like trying to pass on like the things that I think are positive about myself to someone so that they can continue to grow and become like an even more evolved version of like a good person. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that I feel like is super important. Um, But I don't know. I also think like it would be cool if like I created some kind of foundation that would be my legacy, like, something that actually like helped a lot of people something like that I'd be down with but I I don't know if I'm I'm like not interested in having a legacy based solely off of my acting career yeah like that I'm I'm not really interested in unless unless it's helping a lot of people somehow and I don't know and maybe that's with a role maybe there's some role I play or something I produce or something I direct that like changes the ideology of society in a you know to evolve a certain way which is very heavy that's like a lot of burden my guess is if that does happen i'm not going to intend it it's just going to happen um something like that sounds great but i i kind of would rather just have like you know like audrey hepburn she just started doing stuff for the world in the end and i was like yeah i kind of want that like, I want to just be able to, like, yeah. do yeah. stuff for the world, bring yeah. about positivity and, like, change and stuff in the world sans my entertainment career. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I mean, time will tell. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I often say to people, like, because people ask me who, you know, who my biggest inspiration is, and that's funny enough, that's the next question for you. Um, but... You know, I always say Princess Diana and not because she was a princess, but because of the work that she did, like in actual fact, she probably hated being a princess, but you know, that created the, that created the pathway for her to literally change the world. Like she was the, one of the most incredible people and her legacy lives on sometimes again, back to my Michael Jackson comment, sometimes not in the best way, depending on who's talking about her. Mm-hmm. But I think that same with Audrey Hepburn, they really created something from something that was outside of themselves. 
They created yeah. something that wasn't based on who they were as a person or the actress that they were. It was based on something outside of themselves, whether it be, like you said, a foundation or, you know, just something that they did in the community that was yeah. a little more than something based on themselves. So with that yeah. being said, <laughs> um, if you could sit down with anyone passed on or alive and gain inspiration from them, who would it be? Um, well, I lost both my parents by the time I was 12. So um, if it was one person, it'd probably be my mother. And honestly, it wouldn't even be to gain anything. <laughs> like it would just be because I don't remember how her voice sounds anymore. So mm. that's probably what I would do. Even if I could talk to like, <laughs> even if I could talk to like, it would be my mom. I would just be like, yeah, yeah, I don't care about learning anything. I just want to like, you could literally read me a recipe book and I would be happy. So. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think, yeah, that's, that's so lovely. I think a lot of people, again, have this, you know, a lot of people answer that question in a, in a way of like, oh, they think it has to be like a celebrity or it has to be this or it has to be that. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be. It could be your best friend or yeah, your parents or your grandparents. Um, someone even said Harry Potter. So, you know. You <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be Not fun. Not going to lie. Um, that would be awesome. I can't even remember which guest said that. I mean, it, it depends. Like, I guess if people listen back to the episodes, they'll figure out who said that. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's so interesting. Um, well, is there anything else that you would love to share with the audience or anything else that you want to elaborate on? And, yeah, what's next? Um, well, watch Hentified Season 2. I'm going to be on yeah. it. Um, if anybody wants to give me free clothes, I'm always open to that because I like clothes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just living my life. Like if people want to send me money, that's cool too. Like just send me things. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Cool. I'm kidding. That was totally um, a joke. Just watch Hentified. <laughs> <laughs> just watch Huntify. Okay, got it. Um, awesome. And then, yeah, is there any other, uh, anything other than Huntify that we can expect to see in the future that you know of? Um, yeah, I'm doing a movie. Uh, we kind of touched on it, but I, I'm doing a movie um, this either this month or next month, within the next two months. Um, however, I don't know when that's going to be out. So as of right now, the only thing that I have, like, like for sure in the can in the pipeline is Hentified. I have that movie. I have another movie that's like, I have a couple movies right now actually that are like all kind of, yes, we want you, but we, we're like still doing all the pre-production stuff. So we have to reach out to you later. So um, just waiting to see what that stuff, which all are very good projects and all I'm very excited about. And all of them, I hope actually happen and get their funding and I'm able to go on because uh People are writing good stuff right now. So much good stuff. So much good Very stuff. Exciting. And I guess yeah. with that being said, keep an eye out on some of our projects because you never know when Clarissa may pop up um, yes. in something that we're doing. So make sure you check it out. And uh, what are your social media handles just so people can know to follow you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, I'm at Clarissa. So that's it. Just at Clarissa. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm at Clarissa T. So at Clarissa with the first letter of my last name. However, I'm not on Twitter that much. I was for like a hot second, but I find it to be infuriating. Um, I just get so mad on Twitter, but I, I do pop on there from time to time to check messages and like, you know, whatever, do whatever people do on Twitter. Um, mainly Instagram. And other than that, like, I don't know. I don't know. You can find me doing stuff on other. Oh, I mean, I guess clubhouse, right? Like we met on like, we were on Clubhouse together. Yes, so I'm on Clubhouse sometimes. Yeah. Um, I kind of not have, I haven't really been on there as much either. Um, because, uh, I don't know. I, I just get burned out by social media, if I'm being totally honest. Like, I can take it for a little while and then I need to take breaks. So, um, but yeah, I'm on Clubhouse every so often and then Instagram and barely on Twitter. So, so yeah. And awesome. I'm in New York. So maybe you'll just see me on the street if you're here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, well, we'll link to all of the social handles um, in the in the notes so that people can go and check you out. Um, and then, yeah, go and go and Google her as well, um, so you can find awesome. out stuff that she's done. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining. It's been such a beautiful conversation, and I can't wait to hopefully see you in New York later this summer. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was a wonderful conversation. Awesome. Thank you.